Welcome to Carolina Family Church. We're glad you're here today. If I hadn't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Ben, and I am one of the elders here at Carolina Family Church. Uh, just a little bit about myself. Um, I'm married. My wife is Lauren. We have been married since 2010. So a translation for that will be, y'all pray for her. <laughs> Lord have mercy. She has been putting up with me for almost 13 years. Give this woman a hand, please. I, I don't know how she does it, but she does, and I'm glad she does. She, she got me this shirt, so these are her words, not mine. Um, she, she said, and I quote, like a dad, just way mightier. So, again, those are my wife's. So I'm holding her to that. But I am a father. I have a daughter named Shiloh. She's four years old. Uh, you've probably seen her running around. I think today she's wearing a shirt with uh, Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets on it. It says Nug Life, which I think is hilarious. And it sums her up perfectly. She's usually running around with a princess dress. And when I was going through and practicing the message, every time I did it, I had to stop and pause and be like, all right, wait a minute. What princess was she last week? Is she going to be Snow White this week? Is she going to be Elsa? I don't know who she's going to be. And then she got that shirt. So I'm like, oh, perfect. People will be able to find her. She's got the cow print on it and everything. It's perfect. Um, and something else about me this past week, I was at a chaplaincy training down in Concord. And it talked about uh, different ways people can be chaplains and different things that chaplains do, seeing if that would be a good fit for me in ministry, see if maybe that's somewhere God would have me to go and serve. And just had a great time. And um, when John approached me to, to preach in the series, of, of course I said yes. I love to preach. But um, I looked at the schedule and I saw that I was preaching on Father's Day. And so I asked him, we were tearing down. Y'all, believe it or not, we don't put up all this SpongeBob stuff every week. This is not something we do. So this is for the theater. That's the musical they have going on right now. So we were tearing down. We were wrapping up mic cables and doing other things. And I said, hey, John, um, you know I love dad jokes. He's like, of course, and everybody knows that you love dad jokes. Um, I said, hey, did you have me preach on Father's Day because I love dad jokes? He said, no. Didn't even think about that. And it, it took me a second, because at first I was like, does John not like my dad jokes? <laughs> but then I thought about it, and I'm like, I know for a fact that's wrong, because I know John loves my dad jokes. Everybody, who doesn't love dad jokes? And if you do, don't say anything. Um, everybody loves dad jokes. I knew it wasn't that, so I said, well, why did you... Had me preach on Father's Day, he said, I think you have a very Abrahamic beard. And I'm preaching on Abraham today. And I had to stop and think about it for a second again, because if you know John, he's a very loving person, but he don't, doesn't always give a lot of compliments. And I'm like, I think that's the nicest thing he ever said to me. <laughs> but even though he said he didn't have me go today because of my dad jokes, I don't think it would be physically possible for me to preach a message on Father's Day without some dad jokes. Does anybody want to hear some dad jokes? All right, so last week, uh, who was here last week? Show of hands. All right, a lot of us. That's good. All right, last week, uh, Aaron preached on Noah. And what we found out is if we ever have another flood and we need an ark, we know a guy. Y'all, they can't all be home runs. Just, just give me a second. So Jonah went back to his family after he went to Nineveh, and he was telling them everything that happened on his journey. And they were talking to him, and they looked at him, and they said, I don't know, Jonah. That sounds kind of fishy. <laughs> I had to do some water ones with all the SpongeBob stuff. So I'll, I'll do one that's not. So why did nobody want to fight Goliath? It seemed like a giant ordeal. All right, and finally, I, I got to wrap this up, or I'll go down a rabbit hole, and 
no good will come from that. I'll be telling them all day. Um, who is the greatest comedian in all of Scripture? Samson. He brought the house down. Oh. They good? All right. All right, I had to do that. I was talking to a couple of people before the service, and they're like, you're going to do dad jokes, aren't you? And I'm like, well, I'm breathing, so yes, I'm going to do dad jokes. So anyway, uh, happy Father's Day to all the fathers in the room. Um, let's see. Nope, not doing that yet. I almost went somewhere else, and I'm like, no, that's not where I'm going with the message yet. All right, uh, we are in a series called Evidence, and in this series, we have been talking from Hebrews chapter 11, and there are five people mentioned uh, with with great large amounts of faith, and we've been covering them. So far, we've talked about Abel. That was John the first week, preached on Abel. And then Dennis preached on Enoch, which, again, when we saw the schedule, I was very glad that was a week I didn't have because there's not a lot out there about Enoch. There's a wealth of information about Abraham. So I was like, okay, that's good. We can do that. And last week, like I said, Aaron preached on Noah, and he did a great job. And this week, I'm preaching on Abraham. Now, what is Abraham known for? Had many sons. And you could even say, and many sons had Father Abraham? Is that a stretch? Yeah. All right, we got to stop there. We'll we'll go through the whole song. Jess asked me before the service if I was going to sing it, and I said no because I want people to come back next week. I am not going to sing it. But the song, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. And we all know the song. I mean, it's basically Sunday school hokey pokey. So, of course, if you grew up in church, you know the song because that's what it is. But there's a reason for that. And we're going to talk about that uh, throughout, throughout this, this message. And um, Abraham had many sons, but it wasn't always that way. We're going to get there. But Abraham was a hero of the faith. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be starting out in Genesis chapter 12. Now, an interesting fact about Abraham, the first time we encounter Abraham, he is 75 years old. Now, some days I get up and I feel 75, but to be, to, to be mentioned first that you're 75 years old. And so the first 74 years of his life, we don't know anything about him. So he's 75 years old. And in, in Genesis uh, chapter 12 is, is the first really time that he's mentioned, because in 11, it's more of a genealogy. Uh, We find out who his parents are and things like that. But in Genesis chapter 12, uh, the Lord speaks to him. Now, again, this is somebody else that up to this point is not noteworthy in Scripture. I think that's something important to remember here. But in verse 1, we read, Now the Lord had said to Abram, let me stop right there. Ben, I thought you said you were preaching on Abraham. That's Abram. That's a different dude. Right. But he starts out as Abram. And later on, he becomes Abraham. So anytime you hear Abram, Abram and Abraham are the same guy. It's kind of like Ben and Benjamin. Some people refer to me as Benjamin mostly when I'm in trouble. But if you hear Abram in this context, we're talking about Abraham. So the Lord said to Abraham, get out of your country from your family and your father's house to a land I will show you. Again, he's 75, so he has 75 years of roots where he's at, but God's telling him to not only leave, but to get out of your country. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse, them, curse him who curses you. And in you, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord spoken to him, 
and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old from Haran. Okay, I got to do one more dad joke. Who's the smartest person in the Bible? I don't know, but Abraham knew a lot. All right, so, I know. They're, they're not all, again, they're not on home runs. I got some singles. Some of them are bunts. It's, they're, they're not on home runs. But anyway, uh, here God makes three promises to Abraham. The first promise is the promise of a land his own, which is very important because he's leaving a land where he has land. He's established there. He has his own property. He has all this established already. But God says, if you go there, I will give you a land all your own. The second promise is a promise to be made into a great nation. And the third is the promise of blessing. These are some pretty big promises. But at the same point in time, again, this is a time in history where family means everything to everyone. So God is asking him to pack everything up at 75, leave friends and family behind, and go. And not only that, if you, if you look back at the verses here, it's not saying pack up your things and go to Jerusalem. Pack up your things and, and go to Nineveh or here. God doesn't even tell him where he's going. He just says pack up and go to the place I will show you. So it takes an extreme amount of faith here from Abraham to go there. And fast forward a couple of chapters in Genesis 17. So Abraham has gone out to the place God has told him to go. He's, he's found where he's supposed to go. And God speaks to Abraham again. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name, thank you, no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. I told you I was going to get to that. Your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations out of you, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and the generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, the land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout the generations." Now, I don't want to get too far into this. Actually, I'm going to take a sip of water. John, I don't know how you sing and then preach because my voice, like, my mouth is completely dry. Hang on. It might have been the dad jokes. They, I don't know if you heard John, but he said the dad jokes were pretty dry. I, I deserve that. I deserve that. All right. That's fair. That's fair. All right. All right, so we saw that God is establishing the covenant here. And what he's saying to Abram here, Abraham now, Abram here in uh, chapter 17, it's different from 12. You see, what he's saying to him in chapter 17, he's saying, if you do this, I will do this. And I don't know about you, but I catch myself a lot of times when God asks me to do something, I always think about, well, if I do that, what are you going to do for me? And I do that a lot. I, 
not afraid to say that's how we are in a lot of our relationships. We do things to see what kind of response we're going to get from the other person. But this, this covenant is different. It's mutual. And the interesting thing here, the name Abram means exalted father. All right. So right here, he's 99 years old. I'm not going to get too far into this because next week, Jeremy is preaching on Sarah. But Abraham and Sarah had a hard time having children. And they did not have their first son until Abraham, it was still Abram at the time, but Abraham was 86 years old. Now, I'm 40. Like I said, Shiloh is four, so I'll let you do the math. I was a little older, but I wasn't 86. So that's, that, that I can relate to it in a sense, but I'm like, man, that is a long time waiting. But Abraham was faithful. But when God changed his name to Abraham, uh, his new name means father of the nations. And the reason he called him that is God told Abram, Abraham, God told Abraham, you have to be blameless and you have to do all these things. And he did it because everything God was telling him to do, he was doing. Fast forward a couple of chapters into Genesis chapter 22. And um, like I said, Abraham finally has a son. His son's name is Isaac with his wife, Sarah. They have a son named Isaac. And God speaks to Abraham. And I'm, I'm not going to read the entire passage because it's a lot of verses, but I'm just I'm going to kind of retell the story if that's okay. Um, but God is talking to Abraham. He says, Abraham, and Abraham says, here I am, Lord. He says, I want you to, again, go somewhere where I will show you. So it, again, it's happening. And Abraham's probably sitting there. If he's anything like me, I'd be thinking, all right, just tell me where I'm going. I can't plug somewhere you will show me into my GPS. I tried. It just recalculates. It's not going anywhere. And God, where am I going? What am I doing? But he doesn't ask any of that. And then God says something else. He said, I want you to, to go there and sacrifice your son, Isaac, your only son. And as the verse says, who you love. Y'all, Abraham had to wait 86 years for this son. 86. And God is saying, I want you to go to this place and sacrifice your son. And where he sent him was a land called Moriah. It's a three-day journey from where he was. And again, he doesn't know where he's going. It would be about like God saying, hey, John, I need you to go to the land of Rowan County to Dollar General, and you'd be like, hold up, God, there's like $500 generals in Rowan County. I swear, there's, there's one on the corner. I think they're building one in our backyard now. I mean, they're putting them everywhere. But there are Dollar Generals everywhere. And just like in the land of Moriah, there are mountains everywhere. There's hills, there's valleys. And Abraham doesn't know where he's going, but God says go, and he goes. He packs up Abraham. He packs up everything he needs for the sacrifice. He grabs his knife, he grabs his wood, he grabs means to make fire. He saddles up a donkey because, again, he's old now. So that's the other thing that I think about this. If I walk across the parking lot, sometimes I'm winded. And Abraham is having to go on a three-day journey over the age of 100 at this point, likely. So he's going on this long journey with his only son, knowing what's going to happen there, because that's what he's been told. And then he takes two other young men, and they go. 
Now, not much is said about the other two young men. We don't really know who they were, where they're from. Well, we know where they're from, but we don't know much about them. Um, But when I was reading this, I kind of put myself into their shoes. Because Abraham is obviously a faithful person, which means he's obviously probably made a lot of sacrifices. So they've seen a lot of sacrifices. They've seen a lot of burnt offerings. They know they all have one thing in common. What do you think that one thing is? A sacrifice. They have to have something they're offering. And they're doing the math. They're like, all right, here's me, here's you, here's Abraham, and here's Isaac, and here's the stuff for the sacrifice and the stuff for the altar, and the sacrifice is somewhere. Maybe we forgot something. Maybe we're going to stop along the way. But the closer they got out there, they had, the wheels had to start turning and look at it and say, what are we going to sacrifice? It doesn't say that, uh, I don't want to put words in their mouth because it doesn't say that they actually said that. But at the same point in time, it's human nature. They had to be looking at this thing and thinking, now wait a minute, Abraham and Isaac, we know how, how special Isaac is to Abraham and how long he waited for him to get here. What we think's about to happen is not going to happen, is it? But they get closer to the place, and they finally get to the mountain they're supposed to go to at Moriah. So Abraham tells them, leave the donkey down here with you. Wait down here. Abraham and I will be back. Or Isaac and I, sorry. He said, Isaac and I will return. And to me, I look at that, and I'm like, okay. All Abraham's been told is, go to this place and sacrifice your son. But he tells the two young men, we're both coming back. But on the way up there, Isaac starts to see the writing on the wall, and he says, God, or he says, Dad, um, we've got the wood for the sacrifice. We've got the means for the fire. We've got everything you need for the altar. Where is the offering? And Abraham, again, all he's been told is go and sacrifice your son. He tells him, the Lord will provide the offering for himself. So, in the midst of all this, even though he's got all this going on, Abraham is calm. How? I don't know, but he is. And so they're on their way up there, and nothing else is said about it. They get to the place they're supposed to be. Abraham builds an altar. Then he binds up his son and puts him on top of the altar. Now, no words are are shed here, but of course, this has to be a very tense moment. So at that point, Abraham reaches, probably in his side, pulls out a knife, and is going to sacrifice his son, because that's how much faith he has. But just then, a voice spoke to him. It was an angel of the Lord, and it says, Abraham, Abraham. Now, I don't think it's just Abraham, Abraham like that. I think it's Abraham, stop. Don't put your hand on the child. Don't do it. Because you have shown your faithfulness and your fear of God because you would not withhold your only son from me. And just then, Abraham hears something, and he looks over in the thicket. The thicket is in the south, we call them briars. You know, you look at briars and the undergrowth and all that. Um, There was a ram that was stuck there. Now, here's the important thing to remember here. When they arrived and built the altar, that ram's not there. Once the altar is built and Isaac's there, I don't know about you, but if I was supposed to sacrifice my child, I would be on the lookout for another kind of offering. And no rams there. Once the voice speaks, ram appears. 
And the ram is there, and the offering is there. So they get the, the ram, they get Isaac down, thankfully. They get Isaac down, and they get the offering, and they make the burnt offering, and they go back down the mountain. And you've got to imagine the relief on the other two guys' faces when two guys that went up there, because they were thinking two men enter, one man leaves, and both guys came down the hill. So now they're both down there. They both made it down to the bottom. And Abraham's willingness to sacrifice Isaac, when I was studying this, one theme that, that kept coming up is um, be careful not to read this that he didn't love his son because he was willing to take his life because that's simply not true. His willingness to sacrifice Isaac didn't mean he loved him any less. It just shows the level of confidence he has in God. It shows that, God, if you want me to do this, I might not understand it. I'm not going to fight you on it, but if you want me to do it, I know you will provide. It's a beautiful picture of not only Abraham's obedience, but God's provision. Because at the last moment, God supplied the offering. The offering was there. Because again, when they went up there, there were no animals in sight. If there were, that animal would have been offered. And I don't know about you, but... I don't think I could have even gotten that far with it. If God told me to sacrifice Shallow, like I said, my wife and I have been married almost 13 years. She's four. I'll let you do the math on that, but it took a little while. Um, and when I was reading this, I was thinking, to us, Shallow is like our miracle child. And without blinking, without thinking about it, God said act, and Abraham acted. And to me, the knife that's in Abraham's hand is another example of the evidence of his faith. Because you know he was going to go through with it, because he bound him up, he placed him on the altar, he had his knife out, he was ready to make the sacrifice. In Hebrews chapter 11, like I said, that's where this series uh, comes out of. In verse 8, we read about a, a little bit more about Abraham and his life. Verse 8, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. You see, we know Abraham had immense faith. But there's a time for us to preach our faith. But every second of every day is the time for us to live our faith. And all the examples that, that I showed you... I didn't show you that to say Abraham was this perfect guy. Because trust me, I could have easily had just as many passages that show that Abraham still doubted God. And he still had other moments, just as we all do. But his biggest tests, we need, when you need to up and you need to go, and I will show you where to go, but you just have to go to another place. And when you need to sacrifice your son, he didn't waver. He didn't think about it. He didn't question how many people in the room, when somebody tells you to do something, you want to know why? 
everybody, right? And I know I'm big about that. Just this morning, my wife said, um, we can ride together, but I need to stop at Duncan first. My first question was not, what are you going to get? My first question was, why? She's like, we need to go to Duncan. I'm like, dude, their donuts are nasty. <laughs> I didn't say that. I thought it. I didn't say it. I, I did think it. Um, but I like their munchkins now, the donut holes. Those are good, and their blueberry donuts good, and everything else is less than ideal. But... Um, she said she wanted to go there. My first question was why. My first question was, well, which one do you want to go to? Or what would you like for me to order for you? My first question was why. And I've been working on a message all week of just speak, go. And that's just because that's how we're wired. I know that's how I'm wired. If somebody tells me to do something, I remember back in school, the who, what, when, where, how, all that. Like, I have to know that for everything. Um, at the chaplaincy training this week, that was, that was one thing, even leading up to that. I put down my email address wrong. So they said when I signed up and I paid for it, I'd already paid for it. So then I'm checking my bank account because I'm like, well, wait a minute. I know I paid for it, but I haven't heard anything from them. Is this thing still going on? And then I kept checking it because I'm like, I took a week off of work. Like, am I going to this or are they still having it? And I kept checking my email and I kept checking my bank account. And it was a couple of days before um, God just spoke peace into me. He said, it's still going on, just trust me. And then I got there, and I realized this guy doesn't even know his own email address. So I put an E where there's supposed to be a W. It's the whole thing. But um, so I did that wrong. But because Abraham was faithful, because he didn't stop and question God and ask him 100 questions, he just went and did. He fulfilled this covenant between him and God. And because of that covenant, later down the road, came somebody else I'm about to get to. But because of that, God refers to himself. Now, when God is speaking about himself, he calls himself the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. We already know Isaac was Abraham's son. You'll never guess whose son Jacob was. Isaac's son. Because of Abraham's faithfulness, because Abraham waited 86 years for Isaac, because Abraham went when he was supposed to go, because Abraham did not withhold his only son when he was told to offer him as a sacrifice. See, he was doing that, but he still had faith that God was going to take care of what he wanted, because I guarantee you he did not want to take his own son's life. I promise that, because he is a son that he loved, and you don't wait that long for something and then choose to take their life. But he stepped, God told him to do one thing, and he just went and did it because he knew God. He knew God was going to provide the sacrifice. Now, I know if you're anything like me when I was reading this, I got through and I, and I really felt like these scriptures were the ones God was speaking to me. And I'm like, God, this is all well and good, but I don't know that I'm always called to do such big sweeping things. And the one thing I realized was, you always serve a big, big, big God. And God can take small changes and make a big impact. Let me give you an example of that. So every morning I have a, the same morning routine. It goes one of two ways. My alarm goes off on my watch. I turn it off. Again, one of two things happens. Either I get a lick on my face from a Boston Terrier, 
mix that we have named Hattie. Uh, she looks in my face. I know it's time to take her out. I need to take her out. And trust me, when a dog starts licking you before 6 o'clock in the morning, just you're awake. Just go ahead and go. It's better than any cup of coffee. Um, but she licks me, take her out, come back. Or option two, she's laying there, and, and she's snuggled up and comfortable, so she's not moving yet. So what do I do? I reach over on the nightstand, and I grab my phone. How many of you grab your phone first thing in the morning? Glad there's some other people, because if nobody would raise their hand, I'd have been like, man, I need to work on myself. <laughs> but I would love to tell you that the first thing I do when I grab my phone is open up version and look, at, look back at my notes from the week or from the message or look on there and do my daily devotional and open my Bible on there and read. But that's not true. I would love to tell you that it is, but it's not. I usually open, um, look at text messages, emails, things like that. Or I go on this um, website. It's kind of an app, too. You might have heard of it. It's called Facebook. Um, I get on there. And, y'all, if you want to talk about a place where you can waste some serious time and lose all faith in humanity, go to Facebook. But Facebook... I guess about a year ago, I don't know exactly when they did it, they instituted these things on there called Reels. How many of you have ever gotten in a loophole watching the short videos on Facebook? I'm glad I am not alone. <laughs> I even see Jess raising John's hand to make sure it goes up. I get on there, and I watch a video, and they're short. So it's, it's kind of like the Dunkin' the, the Munchkins. You eat one, you're like, well, it's so small, I can have 12 more. That's part of why I don't go to Dunkin', because the blueberry ones are good. But... If I eat one, I'm going to eat 12. If I watch one, I'm going to keep watching them. And that's what I do. So now instead of getting up and getting ready for the day or anything like that, now I'm sitting there and I'm watching those and I'm looking at somebody who I could really care less about what they did last night, even though I don't care. But I'm reading all about it. Now I'm invested. So I'm reading that and then I read something else. And then I watch another video. And now I look at up in the top corner and I see the time and I'm like, I did it again. Now I've got to be in a hurry. And all I had to do was just get up and go through the routine I should have, but I didn't. This week at the chaplaincy training, they challenged us. They said, every morning when your alarm goes off, either don't grab your phone or when you grab your phone, open your version. If you're not going to open your version, just cut your phone off the night before. And so this week, every morning, I got up, and I spent my time with God. And y'all, the difference it made this week, starting every morning off with devotion instead of distraction, made a huge difference. I listened more clearly. I sought God so much more. And y'all, this is, this is small. This is small. And you might have said the same thing I've said before, and every time I've said it, I feel horrible about it. But I look at my day, and I see how busy I get, and I'm like, you know, I really wish I could read my Bible, but I just don't feel like I have the time. Has anybody else ever said that? Y'all, I had to have steel-toed boots on when God stepped on my feet about this. Um, God told me, he said, my son, being faithful and serving me isn't another thing on your plate. It is the plate. And there are plenty of other things 
that need to be just pushed out of the way. So that's how we can start our day. And I don't know what God's calling you to do. I don't know what, what God has on your plate, has on your heart, has on your mind. Maybe he's telling you something big. Maybe he's telling, telling you, hey, you need to up and go. Hey, maybe you need to do this. Maybe you need to do that. Maybe it's he's telling you, my child, I need you to bring me glory at work. Because if your coworkers don't know that you're a believer, it's a reflection of your relationship with God. That one stepped on my toes, too. Because I thought about it, and I'm like, I've been at work and lost my temper. And I'm like, that was not bringing glory to God. And I thought about how many times Abraham was faithful and how many times other people were faithful. And I'm like, I should be able to do that. And sometimes we go through things in our life, just big, difficult, hard things, and we don't know where God is. And the the first question we always ask is, God, why is this happening? Or why would you do this to me? Which is a dangerous question. God didn't do it to you. Um, Or we say, God... If you would take care of this, then I will do that for you. But as we look back at Abraham, he never said that. He never said, yeah, God, I'll, uh, I'll go up and sacrifice my son. But first, I need you to do this. God said to go. He went. He went, y'all. He went on a three-day journey, not knowing where he was going, to do an impossible task because of his faith. And I don't know what that looks like for us with, with, with taking the next step and what we're supposed to do. It's probably a small step. I mean, it's probably something like read our Bible first thing in the morning or be a better example for Christ at work or find a way to love your children even when they're frustrating you in the morning. And some of these might seem small. They might seem insignificant. But again, we serve a big, big God. And if we're faithful, we have his provision. If we're faithful because of the covenant that God established with Abraham, we have the same covenant with God. So if you're hearing this and you're thinking, you know, Ben, this sounds great, but I, I, I just I don't know what to do. After church, I'll be up here. Find me. Find one of the elders. We'd love to talk to you about it. We'd love to see how we can support you as a church. Because a lot of times we're going through things like that, and the first thing we feel is alone. And, y'all, we have a chosen family here, this church. This church, every day, I am blown away by our church. And I love this church. And when I was at the training, we were supposed to talk about two ministries we're a part of, And I had to sit down because I started talking about church, and I'm like, I'm about to spend the entire session just talking about our church. Because people would talk some about theirs, and they're like, yeah, we go go to this church, and um, I like it, we're a part of it, we do this. We wish people would do this, and and I'm like, when I think about my church, it's always positive. And y'all, that's rare. Let's be thankful for that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, here on Father's Day, we're so very thankful, God. We're thankful for people that you've put in our life. We're thankful for uh, some of the fathers that we have examples of that are good fathers. And God, we're thankful for you. 
who is the best example of a father we could possibly imagine. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for compiling a collection of all these accounts, of all these men and women that are just every ordinary people like us. God, people that have their own struggles, people that have their own issues, but God, you use each one of them to teach us. God, I praise you as a dad for all the dads in the room. I thank you for the example you've set forth of what being a father looks like. And God, I praise you for all the children of our church. God, I pray that you'll be with us today and help us look at what kind of changes we need to make to bring more glory to you, God. What changes do we need to make to be faithful? And God, show us in what areas we need to be more faithful and show others more grace. And God, if, if, if we just don't know what to do, if we don't know why we're where we are, God, I pray that you would bring us peace and comfort and healing. And God, I pray that you would just speak through us. God, we love you. We care for you. And we're thankful for you. Amen.